Mahogany Books is a local independent bookstore that believes in social entrepreneurship. Founded in 2007 to meet the literary needs of readers nationwide in search of books written for, by, or about people of the African diaspora. Mahogany Books proudly boasts of the deepest inventory of black books online. And on this episode, we meet with the husband and wife duo and ask them how they did it and how they are doing it. And as always, grab your pen, grab your pads, let's learn something. Thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, we always love to showcase Black excellence, and you guys have done so many amazing things uh, with your Mahogany Bookstore, and uh, we're just really inspired by what you're, what you're doing in our community. So thank you so much for coming on, Ramunda and Derek. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. We're excited to be here and honored that you thought um, enough to contact us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, we're just fortunate and, and privileged that you are on our podcast and that we can showcase what are you doing in the community. So, um, you know, I want to jump right into it and kind of just uh, uh, allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of, you know, your story and, and how did Mahogany Books come to be? Yeah, so we actually created our company. Wow, I guess it's been 14, almost 14 years now, I believe. Um, and several years ago, my husband and I were just kind of thinking about what business idea would we want to, to kind of venture into. We were at a space in our life. We had just had a child and we really wanted to take our economic freedom, I would say, in our own hands. And so we tossed around a lot of ideas. I think one of them he, he landed on was a barbershop. We talked about a bookstore and a bookstore was something that was common, a common thread for both of us. We, we'd gone on dates in bookstores, just he and I dating, um, and just love the atmosphere. We loved books growing up. Um, and so um, that was one of the most natural business ideas for us. It was something that we had personal connection and personal passion for um, because it was something we did individually. And then also when we, became, when we got together and, and got married, um, and then the other thing I would say, and he can share from his perspective, um, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right near Black Wall Street. But all throughout my childhood, I never really was exposed to Black books. I loved to read. I enjoyed romance novels um, and a lot of good fiction. But I didn't, a lot of those books were not Black um, books and until I got to Langston University, until I got to college. Shout out to my HBCU out there in Oklahoma. But again, when we toss around business ideas, um, we landed on an online business because uh, one of the reasons because people could have access to books no matter where they lived. And one of the things that always came to mind to me was if you lived in Oklahoma, Kentucky, Wyoming, California, wherever you lived, there was no reason why you should not have should not be afforded the opportunity, the gift, the blessing to have the uh, have access to black books. And so online was the way for us to reach so many people across the nation with low overhead overhead and again it'd be connected to something that we were very passionate about uh, i'm supposed to follow that um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got it babe you got it you know i always knew at some point i wanted to uh own my own business i mean i can just remember back in high school uh when i thought i was going to be an architect um i would always talk about owning my own architecture firm so I knew uh, maybe because, you know, of my stubbornness or, you know, my unwillingness to um, have someone tell me what to do, I wanted to be in charge. Um, so 
you know, I went to Bowie State University, my my HBCU out in uh, in Maryland, and I ended up uh, majoring in business uh, with a focus on entrepreneurship. During that time, I was working at a bookstore, and I had the opportunity to see how uh, they were impacting people on a day-to-day basis, and that was something that just resonated with me. I enjoyed seeing uh, people come into the store, um, you know, walk out feeling empowered. I love seeing the community, um, people just stopping in, talking, saying hi, old, young. It didn't matter. Uh, women, uh, man, it just, it was a community. And seeing that really uh, kind of opened my eyes to how a business could both be uh, social in nature, be of service to people, but also be able to provide provide for, you know, a person's family. So uh, that's when I, you know, knew that uh, I really wanted to um, own a bookstore. Uh, so, you know, as time went on, it was forward, forward-looking. That was community-oriented and um, really focused on creating a, a, uh, a unique experience for bookshoppers. Awesome. I love that. I love the, you know, the, the strategic thinking in terms of, you know, starting digitally um, and, and flourishing via the internet. Um, but I know now that you, you have a location and you're open up a second one as well. Can you take us through the decision making behind that? Um, as we know, Amazon is, you know, uh, really uh, changing retail and a lot of retail stores are, are closing. Um, uh, but I, I, I see uh, and I know that and 2017, you opened your book, I mean, bookstore, and then now you're expanding to another location. So that's amazing. But can you take us through to how you're able to accomplish that, especially with, you know, a most recent pandemic and um, able to continue to grow and build um, your brand and your presence um, uh, during COVID? Yeah, actually having a physical location was something was always part of our plan and our intention. Even though we started out online, overhead was a lot less to contend with. The ultimate goal was always to have a physical space. Um, as Derek mentioned, when you go into a bookstore, there's, there's just an energy that you feel. There's a connection to community that you feel. And, and having a space was something that would afford us that opportunity. So um, we, we you know did the work. We, would, we started out vending all over D.C. and, and meeting people and and providing books for book clubs. So we were starting to build a great base of people and followers even then before social media, media really kind of took it to the next level, I would say. So, but we would always be out in the community and people would ask, where's your store? Where's your store? And so we really kind of got firsthand real world um, data to find out that people were looking for a bookstore that they wanted a bookstore, they desired a bookstore, even though the masses, when you look back then in 2007, 2008, of course, it was a recession. So everybody was saying, oh, you know, digital is where it is. Online is where it is. And we were in that space. Um, but fast forwarding and again, with all that data and all those people in the community that were looking for a space, we said, you know what, this, it's, it's our time to do that. And um, it was something important for us to be able to create, to not create, to control the space. And when I say control the space, what people saw when they walked into a space, 
what people heard when they walked into our bookstore and what people smelled. And all of those were important to us. Online, we could not have that very um, tangible experience at that level that, that competes with an in-store. And being able to control that, being able to surround people with something that reflected who they were was important to us. And so uh, we, we went through a lot of different ideas. We talked about where we opened up a, a space at a kiosk in the mall. We looked at different places throughout Virginia because it was so important to us to really get that space where we can conduct more intimate conversations and create community and foster a different type of approach to reading and, and being together as a collective. And so opening a store was a natural um, progression for our business at that time um, because it was always part of who we wanted to be ultimately. Um, and so that was about three and a half years ago that we opened up our physical location in Anacostia. Uh, we, you know, of course, hosted workshops and author events and book clubs, all of this, again, surrounded by community. Our tagline, it's still to this day, is books, um, words, community, and you. Word, no, I'm getting confused. Words, books, <laughs> and books, community, words, and you is our tagline. Um, so that community piece was um, just something that's very in, important to us and that physical space allowed us to take community to the next level and so now when people walk in you know we may be playing Malcolm X speeches or playing neo soul music or whatever it is that really speaks to us as a community as a collective while people shop we really wanted people to see themselves in the space um, I've worked in books um, in the book industry maybe for 15 years now I've done the big box retailers I've worked at university bookstore I've worked at an independent bookstore chain and it was over all their operations. And so um, what I noticed at the big box store is that I didn't see myself reflected on the shelves and the decor and the music. I saw other, I saw white people, to be honest, reflected in that space and that's cool for them. But I wanted to feel like I belonged, that I had a space. My history was important too. My books, my, my books were important. And so looking at what we wanted to create for our customers is what kind of propelled us to make sure that we were very intentional with what people saw when they walked in our store, what people heard again, and what people smell, that feeling, that energy, that, that, they, that they matter, that they could show up in, in that space um, and were important. And so I'll turn it over to Derek about our next iteration of opening up the new location and even more about what we went through this past year, which was crazy on a lot of different levels, mixed you know, from record sales to being shut down from March until October, no, no physical space. So um, I'll, I'll let him share some of that or any other he wants to add to that part. But that was some of the impetus about why it was important for us to open up a physical location. My background is in um, uh, membership, customer acquisition um, and retention. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you learn early on in that process is that I uh, the cost of acquiring a new customer is usually 10 times the amount that it is to retain a customer. So when someone walks through our doors, uh, the focus is on how do we provide them with the kind of service that, uh, like I said, that they value and want to continue to experience. But not only that, but they want to share with their family and friends. Um, and that for, like, for the next, after we opened up the store in 2017, that's all we focused on um, for those next uh, two to three years was to grow our uh, customer base, um, was to uh, create a, um, a position in the industry that 
was uh, uniquely mahogany books and that no one else could really duplicate. Um, so, you know, that would put us in a position so that we could actually expand. The, the goal had always been, was not just to have one bookstore, but to be able to, you know, open multiple stores. So, but we had to, um, number one, execute on the strategy uh, to make that happen. Yeah, wow. It really sounds like you guys put a lot of effort into the overall customer experience. Um, and as I was, I was listening to you speak, I'm, I was kind of just thinking about all of the, the details that you have to really put into to, I guess, get those customers to return. Um, I want to bring it back to the idea or the concept of uh, your bookstore. I want to kind of bring it to like how you guys overcame your challenges into really coming up from the idea to it actually being a physical store. Like what, I know there are plenty of challenges, but what can you actually kind of talk about some of the challenges that you overcame and what you did to overcome them? Yeah, oh, there's so many. We still go, you know, as entrepreneurs, we still experience some of those um, um, those hurdles. But um, I think one of the first for me personally was um, you know, being out there in the, the industry, speaking on panels about bookstores um, and the book industry was something I enjoyed. But I will always remember um, being on a panel. We had a New York Times bestselling author there on this panel. One of the luminaries of the Black book, um, book business was on the panel with me and um, a couple of other people. And I remember, I always remember say, saying that, um, this is back in 2010, maybe again, still online. Um, and and the, the moderator asked, so what's next for Mahogany Books? And even back then I said, our goal is to open up a physical store, a physical space, because we knew how important the access to books would mean to, to kids who could walk in off the street and pick up a book that had their faces on it, so to speak, um, what that meant. And I remember one of the panelists saying, oh my gosh, why would you ever think about opening up a black bookstore? Why would you do that? Like, I mean, we're in front of this big, big conference room of people. And, um, and he was saying it from a space of, you know, trying to protect, why would you do it? It's dangerous and dangerous when I think of capital and the industry was shifting. Why would you do that? And um, I said, we had to do it. We had to, um, no matter what anybody else around us said, we had to do it for us, for ourselves, for the the seed that was planted in us to open up a space. And I remember leaving, I think I actually kind of was shaking and, and, and tears were starting to well up in my eyes because I was felt it in my spirit that we had to do this. There are so many studies that show how little black kids, when they read books that who they are, their own ethnicity is in a book, it impacts their self-esteem and their self-confidence. And so I'm thinking about those things as I'm saying, this is why we have to open up a bookstore and I don't care what everybody else around me says. So to answer one of your parts of your question about a hurdle, for me, it was showing up and being confident in the space in an industry where people are saying, "Why, you know, bookstores are closing. Who are you guys to open up a bookstore?" So that mental space as an entrepreneur and, and entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast or people who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, one of the biggest hurdles to starting a venture is the the voices in your own head that that's telling you that this may be crazy or you know what are you doing and the voices that are outside of you and so that mental gymnastics that you have to play um, when you're stepping out on faith and stepping out on purpose is something that is a huge um, can be a huge roadblock for you um, as you're going after your dreams so that was something that I personally had to deal with 
was people who were looking at us like we were crazy and we, it was something that we were committed to. So that's, I don't want to say that's kind of a pie in the sky hurdle, but it, it's a very real hurdle. But, you know, capital, of course, was another idea that was a hurdle or a roadblock for us. Um, we didn't open, we didn't take out any bank loans. We, it's not because we didn't try. I remember we talked to a bank that will rename, remain nameless, a big, big bank. And, um, you know, we're all excited that we could potentially get a loan and it just didn't, it didn't work. We, we pitched to um, investors and it didn't work. Again, people were, did not believe that, man, a bookstore, let alone a black bookstore, talk about going all the way down into a micro niche into this industry. But people, you know, were not, they did not see it, but we saw it. Derek and I saw it. We knew we had been out at, you know, at this venture, at this point, even several more years in. And again, still getting that real data, that real feedback from people like, you guys got to open up a store. We, we miss books. We need book, black books. Um, so again, financing, financing um, from banks was not there for us. We, even when we opened, we did not have a loan from any bank, any financial institution. We, we bootstrapped it. We used our 401ks. Um, we were still working at our full-time jobs at that time. So that's another, another hurdle working all day, then coming home late at night, trying to put time in um, to your business. I will always remember our website and its first iteration. And Derek was the reason we had this amazing website. Actually, we paid for somebody the first time and then we spent all that money on, on you know, trying to get this website the way we wanted to look and feel. And that didn't, it wasn't the best user experience to us, what we thought. And so Derek, the genius that my husband is, <laughs> went out and, and really just really learned how to create a website from, you know, he, he didn't have a background in website design or anything like that, but it was such a key component and key passion of his to, to, to create this space, even online that he learned. He was in chat rooms late at night, trying to, you know, ask questions about how does this work? How does this part of the system connect? And so again, another hurdle is also even the knowledge. We didn't have some of that knowledge from, from the online piece. Um, we had different aspects of business experience. I have a degree in business, like you mentioned, he has a degree in business, but that hands-on aspect we didn't have. So that's another hurdle going into an industry that you're passionate about, but then trying to access the, the wherewithal, the resources to try to make that happen was a huge challenge for us initially, but it was one that we were willing to push through um, and did push through, but it was hard. It was hard to hear people, like I said, the naysayers around, around us. And then also, um, you know, not having the financing there, going out to friends and family and, and asking people who would, you know, invest in us. And so we found one friend that, that did invest and that was the only investor that we had. And it was a, not a huge amount, but it was enough to get us started. And so we had to be really resourceful, but that 401k, I think was a turning point for us to say, you know, what, either we're going to do this full on, that just jump right in it or not. And to, to kind of risk our retirement at that point was something we both said, you know, we planned it out and looked at it, but we were, it was without hesitation that this is what we want to do. It was scary, but we did it. Um, but taking a chance on ourselves was something that was a huge part of this process. Derek, I'll turn, what are your, any thoughts you want to add to that too, from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing I really wanted to go down on was the, um, I mean, early on in the process, the thing I kept, you know, talking to uh, friends and other entrepreneur friends of ours, you know, our, the, the two biggest challenges we had was time and money. You know, we didn't have enough time, didn't have enough money. But yeah, we're still trying to grow a business. Uh, like Ramona said, we were both working full time. I uh, had a small child. Um, you know, I just bought a home. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, we didn't have 
so there was just challenges all around there. Um, but, you know, what we did know was there's a, a, a hole there that, that can be, uh, swear I'm a court, that, that can be taken advantage of, that we knew that the industry, because uh, we were studying it, like, and, you know, even on the weekends, we would go out to bookstores with, you know, me, Ramonda, and our daughter, uh, Mahogany, we just go to bookstores and hang out part of our weekend. And, you know, while we're walking around a bookstore, we would talk about what's missing for us. What is it, um, what's not attractive in that book, particular bookstore for, for us? If we're trying to find something for our daughter during Black History Month, what kind of books are they offering? Are they all slavery books? Oh, well, that's disappointing because there's so much more to uh, Black folks than slavery. You know, so we were just, we were studying um, everywhere we went, what was it that we liked um, in the bookstores and what was it that we did not like in the bookstores. And then we tried to figure out what could we offer uh, that was different. But we went out and found uh, some grassroots partnership, grassroots partnerships that would allow us to host our bookstores, I mean, our events in their space. So it became a win-win situation. Um, you know, that's what we did. We found in every opportunity, even though it was a challenge, what was in this, in our particular situation, what was the opportunity that other uh, businesses were not taking advantage of? And that's what we looked at um, to find ways to position ourselves, uh, meaning, you know, our brand as something, someone that was um, offering or meeting the needs of people uh, that, you know, otherwise would never have been met. And eventually from there, I mean, that really, like Ramona said, you know, people would, from those events, we, wow, I, we gained a number of return um, events that yearly they would invite us back uh, to their um, either annual conference or whatever it was for us to sell books there. So we started meeting authors, we started meeting publishers, uh, we started putting some money into the business so we could invest it in a better website. Um, I mean, that was like the beginning of us being able to, again, kind of create this, uh, uh, spread our roots and start meeting some people and making a name for ourselves uh, because we took advantage of an opening in the market that no one was doing. I mean, so really for us, you know, I, I remember during a time, the, the term was disruptor. Uh, you know, everyone wanted to be a disruptor. Um, you know, but for us, we were doing uh, the same thing. We were uh, creating, um, finding an, a weakness there and taking advantage of it. So then when uh, people started realizing that we were doing this um, and we offered this service, our name started spreading a little bit more. So then we started getting phone calls from people, phone calls from publishers. You know, can you do this? Can you do that? And that's what um, kind of helped us to start building that brand. So, you know, I'm telling the story, some of the secret sauce uh, of it, uh, because for entrepreneurs, what, you know, they have to think about and what we all have to think about, you know, all the time is um, finding a way to be unique, to differentiate ourselves. Um, and there's always opportunities there if you're willing to be creative enough um, and uh, think outside the box and do it in a way that uh, offers value. Sometimes people don't know that they need the service until you present it to them in a way that is, that is awesome for them. 
Um, so that's what we uh, were doing in those early days when we didn't have the money for to rent out places or to uh, build a to open up a bookstore. You know, we found ways to create events that allowed us to build our brand, allowed us to sell books, start figuring out some of the early operational pieces of our store that um, maybe wasn't apparent in the beginning. But as we started, you know, thinking it through and, and figuring out how we can make it work, became a uh, foundational component of uh, what we do um, every day. And, and then, like Ramonda said, we just got to a point where um, the the biggest move we could make was for one of us to come home and work the, and work the business full time. Um, and you know, we just said, hey, you know what? We you know made the plan. I said, hey, babe, you know, we can do this. We have this, this, this. And, you know, let's give it a year. And she was like, okay. And, you know, that was the biggest, um, uh, best decision that we could make was to actually just um, sell out for our dream and to go in wholehearted. Well, thank you for your perseverance and tenacity. We we really appreciate it. Um, but I just realized something as you two were talking. You are the first entrepreneurial couple we've had on the show. And I think that that's um, important because I, I know of other entrepreneurial couples or other entrepreneurial couples or couples that are looking to to start business venture together. Um, what advice would you have for those people? Um, I know that you've had some some challenges and and in in that respect of just working together as a couple. Uh, can you talk about that? Uh oh, you're going in the back in the back weeds, bro. Going in the back. <laughs> the people want to know. The people want to know. It was funny you said you you knew we did. I'm like, okay, what did everybody tell them already? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I just, no, no, no. I was just thinking because you know, you 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 work all day and you have to deal with the family and, and you have children and then you, then you have a business. That's that's a lot of togetherness, and I know it had to, <laughs> I know it had to have some challenging moments there. Togetherness. That's a great word. I'm gonna start using that one. It's a lot of togetherness. Uh, I like that one. You wrong, honey. Wrong. <laughs> no, but you but you know, you know, we this year will be our 19th year married and 14th year in business. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank, thank, you, you. thank you. We're gonna be celebrating 20 next year. We're excited about it. But there is, I mean, I mean, we have very different personalities. I'm the extrovert. I'm out there in front of people. I love it. I vibe off of that energy, and he's the introvert. And so even that, just as a married couple, that connection, I love, I, you know, it's, it's a great um, a balance in our personalities, even from a uh, personal perspective. And then we bring that to the business as well. But yeah, there was, man, you know, in the beginning, we would be booking events and, you know, we had a child, you know, we have one daughter, her name is Mahogany. And even from managing our calendars, you know, sometimes I'd be booking events and, and he'd have other plans or a meeting somewhere. And then I'd be upset at him because, hey, you didn't see this meeting we have scheduled. And, you know, back then it was not shared calendars. We now share calendars. We have about four or five calendars now. A personal calendar, a, one, a calendar with our uh, daughter, a calendar for the business. You know, we have uh, a variety now. But back then when we first started those first few years, just managing our schedules was, was crazy. And then we'd get upset if somebody missed the meeting or wasn't aware of the meeting. So just trying to get tools that helped us communicate more effectively was important. So I encourage people who are couples, you know, what are those tools that you can utilize in your business that takes some of the angst out of it, that helps you 
you know, put a process in place that when it is time for a meeting, everybody's checking the calendar every, every day before they book something, before they add something to that. Um, but, and, and being diligent of adding stuff there and, and not saying, well, I forgot to add it. You know, we had to be intentional of even putting it on the calendar. So for us, even balancing that. Um, but from the family aspect too, our daughter, we, I just remember we pick her up from school. We switch our shirts in the car because we had Black Books Matter shirts or Mahogany book, book shirts. I, you know, she was little and, and I'd have her switching her shirt on in the car, picking her up, getting her some McNuggets and, and driving to events all the way in Baltimore and, and, and driving home late at night with her knocked out or doing homework in the back seat she was. And so that as a mom weighed on me, you know, are we putting her in the right place? Are we doing right by her? Are we, or are we setting her up for success? Um, but then going back to us as husband and wife, communication, 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 then and communication now. Um, and learning how to turn off business and turn on the business and, and making space for each other. You know, it's very important for us to put da um, date nights on the calendar for us to make sure that they happen because we had, a, it was Derek and Ramon before it was Mahogany Books. And so it has to, that, that, that nucleus has to remain intact or the business, you know, will fail or collapse or have some kind of issues there if we were not on the same page. But I think for couples, learning how to turn it on and turn it off, and I'll be honest, it's hard to turn it off, especially if you both are passionate about it. Um, I remember when we first started too, Derek was really sold out for the business. This was a dream of his. Um, a lot of people think it may have been my dream at the very beginning, but it wasn't. I, I just loved books. I had happened to work in books in the book industry, but it was something that was deep in, in, his, in his spirit. And so in the beginning, he was up late at night doing this and that in the business. And I was like, I'm going to do the stuff that I like to do. And he was like, well, but, but wait, there's all these other things that I don't like to do, but they still need to be done. And so even that caused friction of, you know, going hard in the paint for business and me not going as hard in areas, only the areas that I like. And so that caused friction and how to, to work through that. And, and, and I'll be honest, he just persevered and kept going and kept going. And I think he prayed that, hey, my wife is going to catch up to me in some of these other areas. Um, but it was really us communicating and, I'm, and him being patient with me um, and him being okay with what I brought to the table, I did see that there was value in that. He saw that there was value in that. He just persevered. He is a man's man and I love him for that. But, um, but yeah, communication, time with family, um, um, getting our calendars in sync, putting in processes that really help your, your home to flourish. Um, and then being okay if there's an idea that I present that may not work or he presents an idea that may not work, being okay and being open to hearing that idea is important. Um, but yeah, we had times we'd be fussing and, and this was the idea that I want. I have a very strong personality. I think it should go this way. And he thought it should go that way all throughout this process. <laughs> and so having to step back and really hear what that person is saying um, is key, is important. Um, at the end of the day, we love each other. We love each other deep. And so that was the foundation that we were working from. But man, it's, it's, it still can be challenging at times. We have very different ways in how we operate and how we process different decisions. But um, being committed to each other allows us to still flourish in that way. So those are some of the challenges. It's, it's, it can be hectic, but I love, I love working with him. <laughs> that's me I can work with anybody he's like you know I don't know babe I don't know you you you, you off the charts a little bit but um <laughs> we have very different styles but they complement each other too in a, in a, in a beautiful way um, yeah. in a magical way yeah yeah I love that you know it's important you know finding strengths and your weaknesses and you know honing in on that especially as a, a married couple 
And I love, you know, you mentioning, you know, patience, uh, which is so important in the communication, that's the lifeline of all relationships. So I love, um, you know, just to see black ownership. And then of course, you know, a married couple doing it, you know, that's, that's such a great representation today, um, where we are, you know, just in this country. So I love that as well. But I want to pivot uh, to a separate question. So you, you've been in a lot of publications, you, you even had major um, uh, interactions with Barack Obama in terms of him surprising you and just uh, numerous things. I just want to know from all the accomplishments that you had over, you know, the last four years, um, which, which one are you most proud of? I would say uh, one of them uh, is having a hosting uh, Miss Ruby Bridges for a virtual uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that really, I mean, I might say even more so than, uh, you know, President Barack Obama, that's that's just kind of surreal. Like, that one was like, that really happened? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal. But um, having a conversation with uh, Miss Ruby Bridges, I mean, really just talking to her, interviewing her, that was, I mean, it was, it was something that really sticks with me. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed that because, um, you know, it was just talking to someone who was like your mom or your aunt, who was a history maker, who just went through things and just really cares about people, right? And I, that, that was just fantastic for me. But I think um, other than that, that the things that really kind of stand out to me are the normal interactions I have with customers. Uh, when, you know, little guys come in and they, you know, find out we have comics in there and, you know, they get to read some Black Panther stuff. Uh, actually, there's this little guy, he comes through all the time, him and his mom. And uh, it was before the Black Panther movie came out. Um, and he, you know, came into the store of his mom and he saw all the Black Panther stuff we had in there. And he just like, he, he geeked out. And it was just so fun for me to see the little guy just really revel in you know, all the Black Panther stuff we had there. And his mom buying him, you know, the comics and some books. And then we took a picture together. And like, that's something that when I see that picture, it just really means a lot to me. Because, uh, you know, at the bottom of this, you know, no matter how hard, no, no matter how hard it gets, uh, no matter if, you know, if we're just open for one more year, what really matters um, is the impact we have on people. And, for me, seeing the impact that, I, that we had on him in that moment and that being something that resonated with him, that's what I want to do. Like, that's building a legacy because he may be the next person who opens up a bookstore for somebody else, right? And it's just, this, this is something we're doing to, to serve people. And if, that, if we passed on something to him um, where he starts to really appreciate literature and seeing himself in a new way, um, that's the thing that, uh, that at the end of the day, I want to get out of this is that, you know, we help people, we empower people and they walk away better for it. Yeah. And mine is Barack. So that's the end of that. <laughs> Barack. Yeah. I could just say Barack all day, you know, <laughs> but man, can you imagine president Barack Obama and you and an hour long conversation with 20 of your book club members, your customers, your friends who people who were your customers who become friends. I mean, that 
I mean, the first black president knows who Derek and Ramonda are because of a dream, because of us pushing out the naysayers, because of us pushing through and being bold enough to stand bold foot, flat footed rather, and a dream and an idea. And the president of the United States recognizes that. That, that to me is huge. Um, and something that I don't take lightly and something that I will always remember because it's, it's just next level to me. And he was very humble about it. And not just, it could have been, it was one thing if it was just Derek and I, but to be able to invite other people to that experience. And it, it's something that they will remember for a long time that left an indelible mark on their journey that it was important to be able to share that with others. And so that's a big one to me. But when you talk about successes, one that I really, really, um, that impacts me is having our daughter Mahogany along for the whole ride. She has met Congressman John Lewis when he was alive. She met Misty Copeland. She was there when we were recording Barack Obama. She wasn't on camera, but she was right on the side of us out of view and she could hear the entire conversation. And she's been with us when we go and we were vending back in the day when we didn't have a bookstore and she would add, we'd have her counting out the change to people and making it a game. And even though she was learning math and she's gifted at math, gifted at reading, um, all of that. And so having her along for the ride for me is, an, is an, a success. She even has her own business. And as I mentioned earlier, thinking about, oh man, am I being a great mom by dragging her out here late at night and having her doing homework in the back of auditoriums where we're having these author events and to see where she is now and knowing that those seeds that she was able to, to water, that we were able to water and nurture in her just by having her alongside of us on this journey is a, a huge success. Um, a huge success to be as a parent, as, a, as an entrepreneur that my hope is that she will have um, an idea that she can do whatever she wants to do. She can create a business. She's actually had a business since she was seven. And again, I think that was because of the exposure of her being around us and saying, well, man, mommy and daddy can have an idea and set up a table at this event and, and, and give someone a product and get money back. Man, I can do this too. And so that to me is a huge success on top of, you know, meeting the, the president of the United States or interviewing Al Sharpton. I'll never forget that. But having our daughter along for this ride, I think is important. I don't even think she realizes the significance. I think one day she will. Right now, she's like, I'm 16. My parents are dragging me out here to this place and dragging me there, you know, when I want to go do this or that. Um, but to have her all along with us, um, that's a huge success that I know um, deep down, it'll come back to her that she'll re realize that there was some intrinsic value in that, in that journey. So that's a success for me. Man, she's going to have like so many stories to tell people when she gets mm -hmm. older. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, so you meet, you meet a lot of authors. Um, I'm sure you get uh, people that come to you about their books. Like what, what advice would you give to somebody or a young, inspiring author, uh, this black author more specifically to just get their product out there to get there to get what they want out there? What would you say to them? I would tell them number one, to think of it as a business mm -hmm. and when you think of it like that, uh, the first thing you need to do when you uh, are launching a business is you have to have a business plan and you have to know um, how to create a great product. Um, if you start with that and, you know, you start going to bookstores and looking at all the different books, comparing, you know, the formats, how they feel, uh, how they're crafted, um, the, edit the editing of the books, who who's doing the designing, who's printing, 
all those things, it starts to give you an understanding of uh, number one, um, how you're going to create your product. Because it, let's be honest, you know, we have that that saying, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But in the book industry, that's exactly what everyone does, right? Um, <laughs> when people walk in the store, they look at a book cover, and if it doesn't look interesting, they keep on moving. If they pick it up and it doesn't feel right in their hand, they put it right back down. If they open it up and there's, uh, you know, um, grammatical errors and misspellings and typos and stuff, you know, they're not going to care. They're not going to pick it up. Um, they're buying books because uh, they're, they're spending their money on a product and they want the best value for their, for their money. So, you know, as a, um, as a entrepreneur, as a, author who's self-publishing their book you have to also think of it as a business which means you have to make sure you're uh, putting together putting together the best product that you can because this basically represents this represents your brand and if you have a great product uh ramon and i we've seen it people who self-publish books that ultimately end up being purchased by major publishers and then you know re um you know, republished and redistributed um, because the person had done such a great job. Now, you know, they're getting paid, you know, even more for that work. So, I mean, that's what I would say is number one. I know Ramonda has a lot of other um, insights that, you know, um, she's going to share. But for me, that's what I want to see people do more of is to um, understand that it's a business and you have to uh, study the craft of it to make sure you're putting together a great product uh, that bookstores can sell and that people can buy. Right, and, and to add to that, that they do have to look at it as a business. And this is a key piece. Some people are very gifted writers. They choose to write and that's their gift. Managing um, distribution, PR, marketing is not their gift. So I think as an author, um, a few things. One, hire people around you. And, and sometimes if you're self-published or it's just you with this idea, you think of money and, and hiring a team is, 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 you know, is unfathomable. Like, where do I get the resources? But there are, web, there are websites that can help with self-publishing. There are groups on social media that, you know, if you're looking for test readers, there's people and groups that are willing to read your book. So, you know, there's just building up a team around you. And not, not again, I didn't say a paid team, but a team around you that can help you in areas that you're not strong in, but it is a business. It's not just, I'm gonna write this great book and be done with it. Um, I think the other thing is, another tool is creating community. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I've got this great book, I've written it now, and I'm just gonna say it's at Mahogany Books and it's gonna sell a million copies. Well, for us, one of the things that's important that, that we look for and an author should be striving for is building their own community, creating that community, whether it's via email, or on social media, people are interested in them as an author, not necessarily Mahogany Books when it comes to their book. Um, so creating that community, getting people excited about their writing journey, if they're on one already, um, letting people you know, help choose the book cover. So again, creating a, a space where people really feel connected to their work as an author is important. It's not just, I'm gonna go in my little corner and write and then come out and it's, it's out. But taking people along for the ride, and I think some authors miss that very valuable step um, in the process. And if they're not good at that, getting a person, you know, to help them with social media, to help them guide a community on that journey with them is, is crucial. Um, so again, building a team, creating community, and then advocating and promoting, um, promoting their book. 
Um, we've had authors that come in our store when they've hosted events and they just kind of sit there. And so, you know, instead of engaging customers that walk through the door, they kind of think, okay, I've made my book and, and all, all, everybody's going to come to me, but really promoting and, and advocating for yourself, whether it's online or on social media, engaging people again um, and sharing them um, pieces of your book, a snippet of the book is huge. But then the last part I would say is distribution. A lot of people think they can just email 50 bookstores and everybody's going to accept my book. Um, I, the biggest thing is being smart about it from the business perspective. How do I get this book into the hands of bookstores and libraries across the nation? What is that process? How do I set up distribution? What does that look like for me? And I think if they hit a lot of those keys, they can sell those books. They can move those books. If they create that community where people are excited that their work is out or it's about to come out, people are looking forward to them at that point because when they say, hey, I'm signing a book at so-and-so bookstore, people have gone on that journey and they can't wait to meet that author now. But a lot of times I feel like they skip all those steps and just write a book and then say, hey, it's out. And then they, they you know, haven't done the due diligence in that aspect. So those are some of the keys and tips that I would give any author um, when they're wanting to write a book. And make sure that thing is edited. My goodness. <laughs> make sure that people take the time to edit. Derek talked about it too. Uh, we value our customers' money so much from a perspective that they work hard for. I value my own money. I may pay $15 for a book and I want, I don't want typos in the book. I don't want the cover to look like you want to, you know, printed it off at the local copier place. And we've seen books that look like that. And so our customers work very hard for every single dime that they make. And for them to open up a book and it's, it's typos and grammatical errors that bothers me personally because pe people work hard for their money. So as an author, taking the time um, to make sure those two pieces, the cover art, because that's going to help move that book. Um, as Derek mentioned, and then the, the editing piece, those, if you're not, if you don't have those two pieces in place, you, you just might hang it, hang it up um, because people are going to talk about the reviews are going to comment on the grammatical errors. And that's, that's not going to leave a good taste in your mouth as an author um, at all. Yeah, no, no. I love, you know, all of the tips given to potential authors or, or people just who want to start a business, you know, it's so important that we do everything with excellence. Um, and, you know, we measure measure twice and, and cut once. Mm -hmm. So I love, I love all of that. I love, you know, everything about just communication and working together as, you know, husband and wife. And I just love that, you know, earlier in the podcast, you talked about, you know, this gut feeling, uh, this purpose that you had, and regardless of what, you know, the naysayer said, or even the bank said, you know, you went ahead and ultimately, you know, uh, are living your dreams today. So, you know, so many lessons that you dropped today. And I really appreciate you, uh, you guys for coming on. Uh, thank you for giving us this time. Thank you for dropping all the gems. Um, lastly, where can people find you um, on social media and, and everywhere else? Absolutely. They can find us at mahoganybooks.com and on all social media platforms at Mahogany Books. And thank you guys for this opportunity to share part of our journey. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, anytime, guys. And thank you so much. Uh, this is the 32 Life Podcast, uh, Redefining the Black Experience, where we break stereotypes, uh, build legacies, and help others along the way. 